Welcome to the For the Throne Dynasty Podcast. Starring your defending champion, Randy of House Santarelli, Ryan of House Palmer, Logan of House Meyer, Tyler of House Para, Danny of House Sladke, Jake of House Hollyfield, Andy of House Pollock, Michael of House Sladke, Justin of House St. Peter, Steve of House Ellinger, Garrett of House Sturkin, and Will of House Larson. Pussy. Bitch, I just pushed play! Welcome in to the word... Jesus. You are a scrub. Okay, welcome into the For the Throne Dynasty podcast. I'm not editing that. Um, we are now going to talk about week nine. It is trade deadline week. So any trades that have happened this week will be discussed in a segment tomorrow that Justin and I are going to record. This also includes us talking about last week and this week's matchups. Probably not appropriate for us to do so, not knowing what a starting lineup is going to look like at the moment. So that's that. YouTube is currently down. Do you believe me? No? Well, go look at Twitter. It's the number one worldwide trend. That sucks. No more sound clips this episode. So now we just need to... What do they call that? Where you, like, make noise yourself? Where you, like, impersonate it? Yeah. So, I'm the Lord of the Veil. When we grow up, if there's someone that doesn't like you... We'll go whoosh and throw him right through the moon door. Okay, let's talk about the gulag. That was incredibly trash. And I'm also baked. So, okay. Let's talk about the gulag. So, we had two eliminations. We were down to our sweet 16. Zach M. finally is eliminated. Probably a couple weeks too late. Uh, he had Dolphins D through their bye. He had two kickers, including the Dolphins kicker, through their bye. Dolphins, Sam, Dolphins, D, but Patrick Laird. Ah, yeah, yeah. Patrick Laird and uh, Jason Sanders. Sanders still, twenty. Sanders twenty twenty, baby. He still doesn't know who Patrick Laird is. No. Nope. And he had his roster all the way to the end. And Brad, your buddy, got eliminated. What did he text you? I think you told me. Uh, I'll go back and look, but um, he was pretty. He was pretty sad, but he's also happy to join the other league. But uh. Well, Justin, it was fun being in the league at 8.30 on Monday nights. Yeah, he loved it, but uh, yeah, he's out. Well, he didn't give himself good luck by putting it in the chat, so that's a problem. I, I, I should do that. I forgot to. I used the Jenny method once again. I am now 3-0 and on surviving when I everything's in doubt, and I just used the Jenny method. Everything works. So... I went into the chat. I said, quote, see if I can find it. Well, folks, it was fun while it lasted. Made it to the second half of the season in a new 32-team format. Hoping to avenge this next season. Best of luck. This was on Sunday night. Jacoby Myers went off. I am safe, baby. You buying his jersey yet? (laughs) Nope. 
He won me a lot of money this weekend, though. Three different, three different matchups, and uh, I'm a rich man. Thank you, Jacoby Myers. So buy Brad C, buy Zach M. The Jenny method is proven to work for me, at least. Talk about some waivers. So we have. First of all, D. Slack, he spent the remaining amount of his budget, $266 on DeAndre Hopkins. I spent $136 on Will Fuller. Both of these are great players. $266 for Hopkins at this point, though, just because he, he has no more money left. Is yeah. What do you think about my bid? I think that was uh, – might be a little – how much do you have left, Brad? How much know. do I have left? Um, currently, I have, let's see here, $144. Well, that's good. He's yeah. touched on Gene right now. I know both Sam and Sam put a bid down for him, and I think Trevor wanted, no, Trevor put it all on Hopkins. We didn't have $100. Sure. <laughs> so if I look at the bids here, the second highest bid on Fuller at $136. The second highest was 70 but I'm okay spending that amount of money. On him, yeah, he's really good. So then moving on, we had Hammerhead Clark spent $89 on Daryl Henderson. I thought that was interesting because now they have a three-man committee. Next closest was Sam with 36. <clears throat> Your I mean, boy. I'm so oh, sorry. On this week. Yeah. I think he's still a <clears throat> back, but yeah. Just a, just a committee approach, you know. Uh, John B. picked up your boy Jonathan Taylor, the next Trent Richardson, for $85. Fuck you. <laughs> I was the next closest bid for $11, and then there was a $0 bid. So clearly no one's interested in Jonathan Taylor. I literally told Sam that he's been a little bit injured and that he would go for that too much money for her. Mm -hmm. And could have gotten him, but okay. <laughs> then Trevor picks up Devin Singletary. I was interesting. I was interested why he dropped Jordan Howard because right now he's technically the starter, but he gets himself Devin Singletary for $41 and the next closest was me for $26. But that was only contingent um, on a couple other players. See, I talked to Trevor yesterday and I said that now that Aaron Jones is back, Jamal Williams is It's not sure if he's starting quality right now. And Jordan Howard is so touchdown dependent because he's garbage beyond that. Like, they gave him, like, a 10 carries last week, and he only got, like, 30 yards. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm like, all right, you got to go get at least a running back. I don't care for who. Just go get someone to stay alive. Sure. So he's, Sam, he's, I'm going to go get Singletary. Yeah. Pass catcher. So that helps in PPR league. Sam goes and gets Josh Allen for $41. Um, not that much money, which is smart. Um, I don't know if she knows this, but Josh Allen is on by next week. So if this helps her survive one week, she'll be back in the market for another quarterback, I would assume. She still has Cam Newton on her roster. She uh, so she's got she two won. quarterbacks. Yeah, she wanted Allen this week just because Cam has been – Cam had a really good game last week, but he's been very inconsistent for her. Sure. The next closest – going back to Daniel Jones. <laughs> <laughs> the next closest bid was $21. So – um, Sam gets her guy. She drops. She drops Josh, or she drops John Brown, who actually just got traded straight up for Lamar Jackson, uh, by Conrad. Ha <laughs> ha. 
in my Milwaukee <laughs> league. So that was a great trade. Yikes. And then we have me. I picked up Austin Hooper for $19 coming off an appendectomy. He, I dropped Ross Dwelly, and the next closest was $0 bid. So, ah, I wish I could have spent a little less. Nice, dude. I did pick up Carson Wentz as well for Ben Roethlisberger. I spent 17 no one else bid. I was a little upset earlier because Ben Roethlisberger was just pulled off the COVID list. He has two really nice matchups coming up. Roethlisberger, that is, being the Bengals and the Jags the next two weeks. However, I'm actually not as mad about it because Carson Wentz has all his weapons left. Regardless of him being a pretty bad and inconsistent quarterback this year, he's actually been good for fantasy, and he has the following three teams in the next three weeks. The Giants, the Browns, and the Seahawks. All bad defenses, so hopefully that can get me through. If someone would slip through waivers and I could pick them up in a better matchup, I would definitely be open to doing so. Moving on then, we have Andy. She picked up Leonard Fournette for 15 bucks. Then we had Jarvis Landry going to Hammerhead Clark for $15. Tyler Irvin, he's been passed around quite a bit. <laughs> and then we well, had... At least he didn't get passed for COVID because uh, they needed him last week. Mm-hmm. Drew picked up the Saints defense for $10. I picked up Duke Johnson, who right now is the starter, for $7. For DJ Dallas, who did me a good service last week. Vince picked up Jared Cook for Gasick, $5 bid. This one I thought was really interesting. Marquise Brown went to China Star for $2. I know he's been really bad, but $2 is might be a bargain if he actually gets it together. I know he was complaining all over Twitter. <laughs> and Sam got Mason Crosby, $2. Dropped drop Dan Bailey. And finally, we had um, Justin Jackson being picked up for $1 as well. So let's go on to cookies, and I want to hear your best Cookie Monster impersonation. Cheese for cookies. Good enough for me. That was terrible. Let's go to it. Cookies. (laughs) Okay. Weekly cookies. So let's take a look here. Quarterback. This was actually an interesting week. We had some interesting ties for cookies here. Uh, I just see a bunch of... Oh, that's your notes. Okay. So let's go through the positions. Quarterback, you get a cookie with Kyler Murray, 43.92 points against the Miami Dolphins. I renamed my team after him. Now the deck is gone. It's Kyler's click. He was so impressive. That that was a really, really fun game to watch. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, then we have at the running back spot, Christian McCaffrey. Welcome back. You are now hurting. Out. Welcome back, uh, and you're gone. Yep, thirty-seven point one from Danny. Uh, he still gets. He still has Mike Davis, which helps a lot. But he's no Christian McCaffrey. Had a great performance. Uh, and then Randy, two weeks in a row with Dalvin Cook, who's just beast mode on the, the Lions. Thirty-nine point two points. He fucked him up. <laughs> Wide receivers, then we got Devontae Adams, 33.3 points going to you. He just tore the 49ers apart. Yep. And then we had Tyreek Hill, who had 19 targets, 33.1 points, the little slats. Insane amount of targets. (laughs) Uh, Then you have 
the best tight end in the league this year, Travis Kelsey, with 25.9. He has been like a 20-point scorer pretty much every game, it seems like. Yeah, and you know what? I'm not mad. Moving on then to flexes. So Curtis Samuel went to Andy for 26.8. And my boy, Jacoby Myers, 28.9 to Jake. You still got to buy that jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so then we had a tie for kicker, and Sleeper awarded it to Mason Crosby. They both had 12 points, but we awarded it to Young Ho Koo. Young Wei Koo, sorry. Uh, the reason is they both had 4 for 4 from extra points. They both hit over 50 yarders, but Crosby only had a 19 yarder, and Young, Ho- Young Wei Koo had a 30 something yarder. So because of that, we gave the distance. Young Ho, Young Way, cool. the cookie for Jake. Defensive line then for Jake, we got Emmanuel Agba, eleven and a half points. Another one for Cascade, three in a row. He is killing it right there. Uh, then we have Jayon Brown for Danny, the linebacker position with fifteen. Looking at the defensive back, we have Jordan Poyer with thirteen and a half. So, actually. He tied with Harrison Smith, who I had. We went and we looked at the statistics to see if we could tie break. Needless to say, they have the identical stat line. So each of them is getting a half of a cookie. Ten tackles, one interception for each of them. I was shocked when we went through that. So now there's halves in the cookie toll. Yikes. All right, then we go to IVP Flex. Randy gets another cookie with Darius Leonard. With 15, as long as he is healthy, he is an elite IDP player. So the team total for cookies was 335.22. Weekly total, that ranks number six right now. So we're off to a kind of meh two-game stretch here, coming off of our second highest total in week seven. If we look at some of the player totals, quarterback at the top, we got Mahomes with three, followed by Russell Wilson with two. Running backs, we got Camaro with four, Dalvin Cook with three, and then a two-way tie with two, James Robinson and Christian McCaffrey. Wideouts, leading the top, there's your boy, Devontae Adams. Second place, we got Adam Thielen with three, and then we have a five-way tie with two, DeAndre Hopkins, Calvin Ridley, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and Tyreek Hill. Tight ends, leading it is Travis Kelsey with three, and then a tie at two with George Kittle and Darren Waller. Kickers, Young Way Koo, three at the top. Defensive linemen, we got Miles Garrett at the top with three, and Aaron Donald falling right behind with two. Linebackers, we have a three-way tie with two each. Bobby Wagner, robbed of an MVP trophy. Jayon Brown and Darius Leonard. So those are our twos. And then for defensive backs, we have Buda Baker at the top with four, and then Harrison Smith, who actually was a free agent, and I somehow got him back. He's just, like, going to go on and off my team with one and a half cookies. Let's take a look at the team totals right now. So who's at the top? Can you let me know? Fuck you. Uh, Johnny Sins never quits the top with 14.5. Followed by, by Outdoor Furnishings with 12. 
Team Amelia Clark fan has 11.5, so two of the top three teams have half cookies. Gross. Uh, Lamar and Friends, Fresh Prince of Hilaire, Kyler's Click in a three-way tie for fourth. Then in a tie for seventh, we have the Hearst Locker and I'm not, Kiebert Zela, uh, <laughs> 10. <laughs> uh, following that, we have Team Backflip and King Henry's Kingdom in a tie for ninth with eight points. And a tie for last, we have Spaceballs, the FFT, and Mrs. Burrow with five. We're going to come right back to talk about, what are we talking about? Because our segments are all screwed up now because of trade deadline being tomorrow. Well, you'll have to keep listening and find out. All right, got it. (laughs) So let's recap week nine by starting with our weekly I would like to speak to the manager section where we now are going to be focusing on Randy's weekly complaints about Sleeper. So... What was he so mad about this week? Do you remember? Uh, the ability to look back at trades or something on the, the computer. He couldn't use the computer and was pissed about it. And even though literally like four or five people told him, you need to go on the phone, that's how you put someone on a trade block. And he said, <laughs> I can't find it anywhere. I'd like to speak to the manager. I'd like to speak to the commissioner of Sleeper App. Just an absolute Karen moment. <laughs> so, um, needless to say, though, it sounds like that they're going to be making a massive upgrade to the website. But to be honest, like I'm only using desktop right now because we're podcasting. Otherwise, I don't use Sleeper on the computer. I use it on my phone. The reason that Sleeper app was created was to be a phone app. Yeah, I love it on the phone. I I just am starting to kind of realize how to do it on my computer. Yeah. I mean, like, it wasn't designed to be a massive stud website. And, like, he only uses his computer anyways. So, I don't know. It, like, even if you're only using it on the computer, it's still very, very easy to maneuver around. So, I don't understand the problem. Here we are, complaint like number 90 that is not warranted, and everybody else just like laughs at it at this point. Yep, but we'll move on. Week 9? Yes. So starting with the Thursday night match of Packers, they clapped the 49ers and my twin Nick Mullins 34-17. to Rodgers threw for 305-4. and Aaron Jones came back. He was meh. Richie James, the come-out game. Only because they didn't have any other options. Yeah, um, I mean, it felt good in the, as a big Packers victory. Like, they should kick the 49ers' ass when they're missing t- literally 20 players. But at the same time, you really can't take too much from it because the 49ers are missing 20 players. It was nice to see Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers go off and the defense actually hold someone, although the 49ers, once again, had nobody. Yeah. So Packers move to six and two. Forty ers are four and five. Forty ers, it's going to be tough, believe it or not, for them to get into the playoffs. I mean, they could go on a nice little run here, but it's going to come down to Mullins 
moving forward because Jimmy G is basically out for the year. Kittle is basically out for the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, side note for college football, if you're a college football fan, Journey Brown was just ruled out for his career. So he's not going to be playing football anymore. I know he's a very popular pick in our our little college football draft that we did. Penn State running back. He was a nice NFL prospect. He has a heart condition. Tough. Sucks, man. Let's move on, I guess, to the second game. Of course, it's the first featured game on here. Chargers lose 26-31. to Donald Parham drops the ball as time expires in the corner of the end zone on a fade route from Justin Herbert. At like the two-yard line, Chargers lose. They're 2-6. and six. Raiders win. They're 5-3, and three, and they're actually in a pretty prime spot for a wild card. Regardless, if the NFL ends up having five, seven or eight playoff teams, Herbert does it again, 326-2. I'm literally going to throw up. When I see this, Kalen Berlage, 15 carries, 69 nice yards, and a touchdown. Disgusting. He should not be in an NFL field. He is so <laughs> inefficient. He got moved back to the practice squad this week. But on footballers, it sounds like he may be just doing that as a precautionary move because Justin Jackson is not like on IR. If Ed Jackson's back up, oh, my God. Come on, Kalen Blage is really going to be the starting running back for the Los Angeles Chargers. And Keenan Allen had nine catches, 103 yards. Um, the Raiders are very, very shocking. Their, their defense is not good. But their offense just gets it done. I mean, they beat the Chiefs, so at least they have something going. So I, I sent you a Twitter thread the other day about how the Chargers pretty much fucked up their chances to win the, at, the, at the end of the fourth quarter. They had three timeouts. They wasted like 30 seconds before they called one of them. They kept throwing short passes to their running backs in the middle of the field that would take away all the time on the clock. And then all of a sudden when they make it a big play, they, they waste some more time before they call a timeout. Like, they did not need to only have one shot with four seconds left. They could have easily had like 40 seconds left. So they had a chance to run or a chance to do something. It was, it was bad clock management, but the Chargers were right there again, which is What's really frustrating? I, I remember I texted you, sorry, bro, and you were like, I literally am not surprised at this point. It's, I, at he, some point, the Chargers are going to be able to figure this out. Yeah. I, this year. Most times, I get pissed. I get livid when this shit happens. Literally, I watched the entire game, and I just sat there with, like, if you've ever seen the Mike Wazowski meme, where he's just, like, staring at the camera, that was me. I'm like, okay. <laughs> just dumb. Right, we'll move on to save you some uh, pain. What, yeah. What's the next game? On the pain, list? period. Falcons beat the Broncos 34-27. to Falcons are 3-6 and six now. Broncos are now 3-5. and five. Drew Locke looked great, but you know what? I'm not going to give him that satisfaction with his stupid finger dancing. Jerry Judy was probably the highlight of this game. He had seven catches for 125 yards. He juked. He Judy juked those Falcons corners numerous times. He is by far one of the best route runners. And I'm not just saying it because I have him in Dynasty, but he is a special talent, that's for sure. Um, he is, but it's also against the Falcons defense, which is literally historically one of the top five worst defenses in NFL history. Yeah. Right now. yeah. So I, 
can't take too much from that. Although the Falcons had a pretty good game, considering Broncos' defense isn't great either. Yeah. And it wasn't even close until the Falcons had a chance. <laughs> tried to choke it away a little bit. Yeah. But they recovered the onside kick. So hopefully you hit the MF over on this game. Bills win 44-34, to 34, 78 points in the game. Bills move to 7-2, and two, Seahawks 6-2. and two. Um, Just no defense, to put it simply. Josh Allen <laughs> finally comes back. He only throws seven incompletions, throws 415 yards, three touchdowns. DJ Dallas, he only had seven carries, but he had 31 yards and a touchdown. Stephon Diggs, nine catches for 118 yards. Seahawks defense is so bad, and I think that's going to be the what the piece that's going to hold them from potentially winning a Super Bowl this year. What do you think about that? Bills too. Bills defense is beyond disappointing. Uh, Bills defense is solid. They had a great start to the year, and they kind of tailed off since. Um, but the Seahawks defense. So the stat that I heard was that the Seahawks and the Falcons are top five combined. Um, for like the historically worst defenses of all time in the NFL, Seahawks defense is terrible. They just got Jamal Adams back. They just got Carlos Dunlap in a trade. Bobby Wagner's amazing. Beyond that, it's terrible. Um, Russell Wilson actually had his first bad game of the year. He yeah. Fell out number one spot in the MVP because he had a bunch of turnovers. Yeah. And they still almost won this game because the Seahawks offense is just that good. Yeah. But it didn't matter. Um, that was a high-scoring game that I did not see coming. I thought the Seahawks were going to easily win that one. Moving on, then, we got the Bear, the Bears. Oh, my gosh, did you hear Big Cat's rant on Monday? Yes, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> Their offense is so horrific. Matt Nagy, <laughs> he was talking about how when Matt Nagy pulled off that fake punt, which was, by the way, like the only first down, I think in like the first quarter and a half or something like that. And uh, when he pulled it off, they were talking about how Matt Nagy was probably like, you know what, I'm a very good coach. And he, like, goes back in the film room and, like, watches that play over and over and over again. And how like, he's going to try to use it, like, a couple more times this year because it was such an amazing play and he was just a genius for doing it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the Bears lose 17-24. to They're not looking good. Um, the Titans moved to 6-2. and Nick Foles actually looked okay. I mean... He had 16 incompletions, but he did throw for 300 yards. Might have been because they were playing catch-up. It was, because they didn't. The Bears, until the almost third quarter was over, they didn't score a point. Like, it was the only team that didn't score a point in the 1 o'clock window before they started moving up and yeah. actually doing something. Titans look good. You know who didn't look good, though? Derek Brun- or sorry, Derek Henry. And that's the reason that the Bears' defense is so good. And... Sucks because they have no offense to kind of reciprocate that. But 21 carries for 68 yards, that is kind of a um, a one-time thing. But the Bears' defense is, is so good. Uh, I don't think we'll see, like, a inefficient performance like that again. Probably not. Oh, my gosh. A.J. Brown, four catches, 101 yards. So he's averaging 25 yards a catch. So just on a flyer out, get him. Then we go to the, the Jake Luton game. Texans 27, Jaguars 25. Jake Luton for MVP. I'm calling it now. Yep. He's got Tony Dungy's vote. <laughs> he, had a, he had a really, really good game. He uh, had that insane juke um, to bring them within two before he missed on the fourth down conversion, or the 
uh, two-point conversion to have the chance to beat the Texans. The Texans, it was great that they started off with a bomb to Chark Week and then a bomb right back to Brandon Cooks. The game was a fun game of two teams that are bad, that have good (laughs) offenses. It made it entertaining. DJ Chark, seven catches, 145 yards, and a touchdown. Did not expect that. I think it was the second throw of his career. Luton threw like a 60-yard touchdown or something like that to DJ Chark. Yeah, it was nuts. And... I loved it too, week, and Ryan hated it, having having chill on his bench. <laughs> I don't know why. I guess he might have benched him just because of the Luton effect. It made sense, and now it now for sure he's starting him next week. Yeah, Ravens 24 to 10, six and two on the year. Colts move to five and three, and they have a short uh, they have a short rest here because they play tomorrow night against the Titans. Um, Lamar continues to look very very bad. So the Ravens are six and two. Uh, Philip Rivers, so bad. Twenty five for forty three, two hundred yards, two twenty. Lamar Jackson, thirteen carries for fifty eight yards and a touchdown. That's basically like an inefficient running back stats. Did you see the the interception that the Ravens got on Philip Rivers? Yes. Uh, air quotes because that was not. It's not a pick. No. No. Um, both these teams have incredible defenses, um, and I think that might be why you see some inefficient rushing yards for Lamar, because he's had a good year rushing. Passing, he's been garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Colts, yeah, both. it was a defensive game against two at least solid teams. Sure. But really didn't see much of that in red zone just because it was a defensive slugfest. Mm-hmm. Moving on, then, we got the Chiefs barely squeak it out against the Panthers, 33-31. Chiefs moved to eight and one. Panthers are kind of coming back to earth now. They're three and six. Mahomes goes off again. Three seventy two and four. McCaffrey looked great in the passing game. It was nice to have him back, but now he's going to be gone for probably two weeks or so. Kelsey ten catches, one hundred and sixty yards. That doesn't get old. I already talked about previously that Tyreek Hill had nineteen targets. That's freaking crazy. DJ Moore, man, I don't know what has happened with him. He has definitely not been the go-to target. Curtis Samuel is being may he's being way more involved than I thought he would ever be. I thought he was actually going to be traded in the offseason, but now they're basically going to be using him as a running back. They've been doing that a lot lately. Yeah, the Panthers, that was a that, this game was super fun to watch cuz the Panthers you knew they were not even close to the Chiefs level. But they just played like the underdog. They kept having some incredible plays. A catch that Samuel made and a catch that Robbie Anderson made back-to-back were nuts. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater flying through the air. Uh, they get that first down. Teddy B is having a season. Um, and then you bring out Joey Sly for the 67-yard attempt. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a fun game overall. <laughs> Do you think Teddy Bridgewater is a franchise quarterback for Carolina or no? I, I will not say I'm not sure about Carolina, but he is for sure a franchise quarterback somewhere. He sure. he plays his ass off, and he doesn't make mistakes. That's that's the big thing for being an NFL quarterback. That that is a big thing, yeah, for sure. Vikings beat the Lions 34 to 20. Another Dalvin Cook game. 22 carries, 206 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, yeah, the, that was the big story. It was Dalvin Cook was monstrous, and the Lions had Matthew Stafford come off the COVID list. Yeah. Getting concussion. Yeah, 
Imagine that. You're on the COVID list all week. You can't practice. You come back and then you get a concussion. Like, what? Yeah, those are the two things I actually I, – I saw nothing else at this game. So, yeah. I, I don't know what else to comment about. This. So, the Vikings, they play Monday night against the Bears. I'm sure you're excited about that one. I am on the edge of my seat waiting to watch every snap. Hey, but we'll talk about this game. Monday night's game was so freaking good this past week. Yeah, it was. Believe it or not. So we'll talk about that. Giants, they beat the football team 23-20. to That was a big upset in my eyes. I think the Giants are so bad. But the New York football Giants are now 2-7. and Believe it or not, they're only, I think, one game behind the Eagles for the division lead, baby. The football team is now two and six, so they're about a game and a half behind. Um, actually, you know what? They're probably, yeah, I think they're a, no, they're a game out. Giants are a half game out, which is just ridiculous to me. Uh, Alex Smith, baby, he is the guy moving forward. Kyle Allen suffered a very gruesome injury. By the way, were you you were watching on Red Zone, right? I see. I didn't see the injury. I was, I don't think I had gotten to the red zone at that point. We're driving back home. Okay, so they were showing it, and they're like, "All right, just so you all know, I'm gonna be showing you a very gruesome video. It's gonna be coming. Uh, it's Kyle Allen's injury, and he, basically they just showed it in slow mo. He's like, "I'm gonna show it once, and that's it." So he showed it in absolute slow motion, and I'm like, "Sweet. Even if you're showing it once, people just had to stare at that." So well, Alex Smith, yeah. Big what? Cat was talking about how that was, they did that, but Siciliano showed it like three times and gave no warning. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, all right, here's what you got. <laughs> Rushing leader for the Giants was Wayne Gallman, 14 for 68. I just acquired him. Devontae Freeman, keep being injured. Wayne Gallman's going to be a flex play for me, potentially. Well, T- Al- Alfred Morris only was one yard off of Wayne Gallman. Yeah. <laughs> the Giants are... The, since Saquon's out, they're the lost cause running backs that need a home. Uh, with Devontae Freeman, Alfred Morris, Gallman's young. He's not. I don't think he needs a home, but he needs a bigger role. Um, yeah, uh, I saw a stat too. Daniel Jones, four and zero against the Washington Football Teams. He has not won a game that does not involve the Washington Football Team in his two years of starting. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they had they had some random dude that was their top wide receiver too. Did you see that? CJ Board. It was uh, his name was Austin Mack. Nice. <laughs> that seems like a D three guy right there. Um, I I saw something else too. It was um, I don't remember what I was about to say. Well, great segment. All right, nice dude. On. All right, so we have the Steelers move to 8-0, and oh, baby. They defeat the Dallas Cowboys. Garrett Gilberts, who actually looked really, really good in the first half. I was scared this was going to be like a monumental upset. Did not happen, though. Roethlisberger, 29 for 42. <laughs> Bigger than Ben, baby. Watch it on YouTube. Ben Roethlisberger. I think Big Cat on Monday was talking about how they, they came up with like an infographic of people that um, have been more injured than anybody else, and it was basically like a countdown list just to show you how Ben Roethlisberger has been in, more injured than anybody else. It was hilarious. Uh, I I laughed when they talked about the different knees that he was limping on. Like it yeah. did look like it was like it was a rough hit, like for sure. It was legal, but like, he got crunched. But that was hilarious talking about how the different limpings he had. <laughs> I 
still think Garrett Gilbert should be the Cowboys QB even when Andy Dalton came back. He looked good. Yeah. He got really tough defense. And uh, <laughs> Ben Roethlisberger was limping for like five minutes of game time. <laughs> Juju had six catches for six, six, six catches for 93 yards in a way back. Moving on. We got the Dolphins beating the Cardinals 34-31. Uh, good game down the stretch. I think I've realized that you and I, for our late game management, we are on the complete opposite side of how we approach things. Absolutely. I'm all for what Sturvin, like be aggressive, especially if you have a good team. Like You go get the points. It was both the Dolphins and the Cardinals were at 31-31, and the Dolphins needed a fourth and one from like their 30-yard line to get the field goal. I'm like, you have Tua. You have, your offense is humming. The Cardinals' defense is not good. Go get a first down. Go waste more time so Kyler doesn't have a chance to go score down the field and score. The Cardinals do the exact same thing, and they have Zane Gonzalez. Nice. Missed a 49-yard field goal. Who like, should he was short? Like, what the hell? That's why I wanted more points because I didn't think I was going to have a chance to win my victory. Um, Kyler, because Kyler to Kirk is becoming a, an automatic – start each week they're they're insane together mm-hmm. so, and near the opposite. yeah um yeah i'm more conservative oddly enough in terms of football um in terms of preserving a lead saving a lead playing for the tie playing for overtime i like the odds more in that favor whereas in the situation you just explained with zane gonzalez kicking the field goal I mean, if you go for it and you don't get it, but I guess it's the same thing with a kick. I just think more so than not. I guess that also depends on the defense that you're dealing with. I think it's more for, for from 49 yards out. That's pretty religious for a kicker. So I was more in the mindset of I think it would be easier to kick field goal, tie the game, rather than go for it on fourth down. You don't get it, and then you automatically lose. Whereas you're playing for a tie, and then the potential in overtime. Or, you know, a turnover happens. I think I'm more safe play. But also, I can see your viewpoint of, hey, you know, let's go for the win. Let's get aggressive. I think it could be more situational based as well. Like, let's say it was fourth and one in that game. Okay. And the Cardinals, they have a 49 yard field goal, and it's the Steelers' defense. Does that change things for you? No. Really? So, I'm gonna, can I read you a stat line real quick? Sure. Murray, 11 rushing attempts, 106 yards on a touchdown. To go that. along with is almost 300 yards passing. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm just like, if you run an option, or if you just run it up the damn middle, or, you know, you have DeAndre Hopkins and Christian Kirk, you throw a slant, or you have a run-pass option, any of those would work. The Dolphins' defense are, is pretty good, I will say. They're actually probably... Statistically, they're right around where their defense is. But I still say go for it. Because if you don't get it, it's the exact same spot as a missed field goal, which they didn't get the ball back with. Mm. If they do make that field goal, you're trusting your defense, which is not good, um, to go and stop Tua, who looked great, uh, to have a chance in overtime. That's pretty much all you're hoping for. That's that's why I'm always aggressive. You go for the points. Field goals aren't, aren't going to win you games early at least and then late you're just you want to go for the win that's that's my viewpoint and i know you're 
definitely different on that category. Yeah, so I want to go back to, I think it was week two when the Chargers played the Chiefs in the infamous game in which Tyrod was stabbed, literally. Uh, And Justin Herbert played the game. It was very, very late. Uh, I believe they were tied or winning. I think they were winning against the Chiefs. And it was like fourth and, what was it, fourth and one, right? But they were on their own, what, 25-yard line or something like that? The fact that they were had a lead, I would say I'm more conservative in that aspect. Regardless of who the quarterback is, I'd punt. And even if you have a decent kicker, you're going to pin them relatively deep, hopefully. And then you depend on your defense, who, by the way, I thought the Chargers' defense was a lot better than it actually is. It's so porous. I think Derwin's gone, and uh, Joey Bosa being unhealthy, Melvin Ingram being unhealthy, uh, losing Tranquil, all that is just big. But I would rather put it into a perspective of they're playing against the clock. I'm more conservative in that aspect because of the fact that they had a lead. Does the fact that you have a lead change anything? I know you said for when the Dolphins were leading, that didn't change anything for you. See, the only time is like when it's like on your side of the field. That's what I'm like. Okay, Which is what the Chargers had. Punt the ball on your side. Yeah. But if you're on the opponent's side at all and it's fourth and one, fourth and two, go for it every time. Okay. That, that's my philosophy as a coach. Um, especially with when you have like a really good offense, even if it's going against a good defense. If your offense is shit, like maybe like the Bears, I can somewhat understand it. Like I'm like, okay, yeah, you, you want to get the, as many points as you can. But I, I, I look at, I've looked at so many different like NFL analysis articles about what the difference is between going for two, um, going for the touchdown over kicking the field goal, and I've really come to it. I'm like, just go try to win the game. Don't try to not lose the game. That's mm-hmm. that's my mindset. Sure. So then we have the Saints. They defeated the Buccaneers, thirty-eight to three. I can tell you right now, no one saw this coming. Antonio Brown's debut, he had, I think, six catches. Or I think he had, like, three catches for 30 yards, one of the two. He had six fantasy points. That's what I know. Uh, 49ers were up. Or, sorry, not 49ers. The Saints were up 31-0 at half. The Bucs didn't score until a late field goal in the fourth. Uh, Drew Brees, no, he did not look good. He only threw for 220 on 26 pass completions. He had four touchdowns. I don't know where this came from. The Buccaneers' defense is very, very good. I would argue they're like a top 10 defense. And we even had Taysom Hill get really involved with a ton of rushes. And I think he even caught two passes. I could be wrong. Uh, Buccaneers' passing options were bad. Tom Brady was bad. I think he turned the ball over three times or four times. I don't remember. Do you recall? I watched zero seconds of this game. Good. That's a good thing. At, in the first quarter, I saw what the score was, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to keep the studying is more worth my time. Um, I loved the Jameis eating a W at the end. That was and hilarious. I, um, but beyond that, this game, the Buccaneers, um, they looked ahead the next week. Uh, that's pretty much all you can say because no one showed up for them in that game whatsoever. Yeah. The Saints for it. Yeah, you got to hope. I mean, the Bucks they play the Panthers this week, so uh, I would assume Tom Brady is furious and hopefully we'll get it back on track this week so saints are six and two they own the division lead they've now swept the bucks i for sure thought bucks were winning that game at home 
um, AV I coming. Good. I still thought the Saints yeah. were going to win, but I thought, but yeah, not in this. Then we had the Monday night game, which a lot of people were making fun of, thinking it was going to be junk. We had Joe Flacco's Jets against Cam Newton and the Patriots. And, man, Joe Flacco looked okay in this game. He did have a late, unadvised pick um, that was not good. He did throw 18 for 25, 262, and three touchdowns, including two to Brashad Perriman. Did you know this? But he was talking about in the pregame how him and Brashad Perriman have a very good relationship because they played together in Baltimore. Yeah, I, I saw what he said. I'm like, I, I was kind of shocked because I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. I, I had no idea they were even teammates at any point. And he was chucking the ball deep. Like, both touchdowns for Prashad Perriman were deep touchdown passes. Damian Harris even looked really, really good for New England before he got hurt. He had 14 carries for 71 yards. He looked really, really good. Uh, James White is pretty much irrelevant in that offense now, which is really strange to me. Yeah, they have. They have I think they just have too many good running backs. Or too many. Not, good. not, not good. Too many <laughs> okay to solid to somewhat good running backs that they, they just go with whatever the hot hand is. It's like a, a San Francisco offense, like a LA offense. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so Damian Harris left the game injured. Uh, and Rex Burkhead actually looked really good in that game as well. So. Um, I'm curious if he's going to get the bulk, if it would be that New England. By the way, you traded Rex Burkhead. Remember you were mad right after you made that trade? I was because I was like, I did not see Rex Burkhead getting anything this year. And I figured I'd get a pick for him. before, And I wasn't sure if I was going to drop him or not. And then he goes off for like two straight games. Although Andy, I don't think started him when he went off. And now that he's back on... And then she started him for like two games when he didn't go off, and now it's just like he's an okay guy that I was not sad to leave. Yeah. So, and then Cam, he looked pretty bad most of the game, but he got his act together in the second half. So uh, he was 27 for 35, 274. Jacoby freaking Myers, baby, won me a total of $550 on a variety of bets. Oh my gosh, 12 catches, 169 nice yards. He helped me survive in Gulag. He helped me win by like a point and a half in my Goons League. He helped me win in my uh, Spread League. He helped me win in my Monkey Knife Fight prop bets. Total of $550 net was won just due to Jacoby Myers' performance. I literally busted so hard. It's been a while since it's been that much. But you know what? Jacoby Myers was an absolute beast mode for them. Of course, Adam Gase is now 0-9 on the year. Hey, remember, when we recorded last week and we were talking about is this week the Jets and the Patriots win, I was very, very hesitant, as you could see. And Jets had control of the game for most of it. And then they blew it with about a minute and a half left in the game. Yeah, um... Uh, congrats on Andy beating the Jets. We'll get to that. Um, I still can't believe that the Patriots came back in those last seconds because they managed the clock terribly, but they still end up with the W. So let's take a look next week. So the Jets, they're on by. They can't lose. 
So, we, yeah. We <laughs> now, let's talk about our waivers. So, you can go ahead and talk about waivers that you saw happen. Just a couple that are at the top. So, yeah. Uh, Richie James went to Ryan for $22. There's four bids in on him. He had an incredible game last week. Uh it was, but they also had zero weapons. So I mean, I think this week when Ayuk comes back, we'll we'll see about Samuel. I think he's a solid guy. I just don't, I, I don't think he's gonna have any kind of near the monster performance he just had. Twenty two is all right for him though. Um, trying to go see if he, again. Why not go for it? Uh, then we had Chris Conley, eleven dollars, uh, going to Spaceballs. Nobody else put a bid on him. Uh, I think he's solid. I, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I I know Chenault and Shark really well. Um, beyond them, I'm not too high on any of the, the Jags receivers. Uh, Ryan Nall went for $10 to Sturk. Nice, okay. dude. <laughs> Caleb Balazs went for No, $10. skip that one. Yikes. Uh, I was just going to give it the cricket noise as well. He's literally picked, he's picked up Caleb Balazs at three different occasions this year. And I love that he put put ten dollars in on him now. Zero. I think there might have been one other bid, and it was like for one dollar. So <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, I went and got Alex Smith for eight bucks. He ain't seeing the field, but I thought it was nice to go grab another QB, and I love his story. Comeback player of the year, baby. Definitely, one hundred percent. I the only other bid was either zero or one, so I could have saved a couple bucks. But I mean, whatever. He's a great player. Um, Salvin Ahmed. Uh, six dollars to Danny. Um, he could be the starter in Miami right now with Gaskin yep. out. Yep. There's three people that put bids on him. That one I understand for sure. Mm-hmm. That's a good value for sure because Jordan Howard's garbage. Um, and Laird, uh, Zach Malberg didn't know who he was, so Salvin <laughs> Ahmed is is solid. Uh, so that's a good pickup. We'll see how he does this week. Uh, Randy went and got Eric Wilson from the Vikings. No clue who that is. I had to look up his game log. Uh, he's actually a really highly ranked linebacker and sleeper this year. Uh, he had a big week um, last week. So, I mean, go good for him. Um, Jason Sanders went to Little Slads. He has been one of the top kickers this year, consistently solid. Uh, for two bucks, Jonathan Abrams went for two dollars to Danny. Um, I misprinted what I put on there. Um, Hard-hitting safety for the Raiders. Yeah, he lit up Joshua Kelly in this tackle, and I was pissed about it because he got shook. Uh, yeah, I remember last year he played. He, they were talking about how he literally played a half of a game, and he tore something in his shoulder because he, he hit, hit someone so hard. Yeah. Yeah, and then he came out this year and he tore and he uh, hit a bone chip in his shoulder when he ran into the Booker's um, <laughs> sideline. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, our last part of this segment here is we're going to just kind of recap week 9. I'll take 3 games, you can take 3 games. Um, and then we'll end it here. There's going to be a segment coming tomorrow. But it's not going to be finalized because we don't really know what's going to happen tomorrow or not happen with the trades. Hopefully it's not like the NFL trade deadline where literally nothing happened at all. The highlight was Malcolm, what's his face? There's like Isaiah Ford, I think his name was. Mm-hmm. Getting traded to the Dolphin or the Patriots or something. I don't know. 
Okay, so game one. Uh, I moved to six and three after a loss of 40 points to Sturk, who was also now six and three. I had Mahomes a solid 39 and a half points. Didn't matter. James Conner, I don't know how this happened against a horrible Dallas defense. Uh, four points. Justin Jackson literally had two snaps and then got injured and he was out for the game. Zero points. Corey Davis, three targets, zero catches, zero points. Adam Thielen, 5.8 points. Gross. Travis Kelsey. Like, what the hell? Travis Kelsey, 25.9. DeAndre Hopkins, oh, guess what? Six points. Jerry Judy, 25.5. My IDPs were bums, except for Harrison Smith, 13.5, and and Blake Martinez, 12.5. On Sturk's side, he had quarterback Josh Allen, 42 points. Almost a cookie winner. Running backs, he had David Johnson leave the game with an injury, 1.6. Josh Jacobs with 13.8. Wideouts, Keenan Allen, 25.3. Juju, 21.3. Darren Waller, 13.2. And his flexes, well, here you go. Jarek McKinnon, 15.8. Will Fuller, 21. IDPs were pretty irrelevant. So I guess I were both 6-3 and three now. Moving on to Cascade Bear versus Spaceballs. Cascade Bear wins 170 to 132. Cascade had Come On Guy with 33.22. Running backs, Backyard Lights with 12.5. Giant Sombrero and Shades, 12.9. You had Deontay Johnson, Disco Ball, 14.1. And Outdoor Speakers, Gross, 1.8. Mark Andrews, Outdoor Griller, 5.2. He has been really disappointing this year, but it also is reciprocated by Lamar. Flexes, he's got Bubble Maker with 28.9, my boy. And then he's got Sunflower with 13.1. The Legend continues with 12 for his kicker. And then for IDPs, Yard Bricks with 11.5. And Garden Scarecrow with 12.5. Looking over on Spaceball side, in the nickname matchup, by the way, Cascade wins this. So I can't wait for next year's nickname bowl. We have President Screw with 28.2, and then the running backs were just bums. No nickname Jordan Wilkins, 5.8, and Bartholomew with 6.8. Wideouts, the Space Special, 13.5. Colonel Sanders, 13.5. Flexes, we have Dark Helmet with 15.1. IDPs were pretty bad outside of Dr. Schlockton with 10.5. So Cascade Bear moves to 7-2. He's the one seed. Then we have Spaceballs at 5 and 4. The third matchup I want to discuss is Team Backflip versus Lamar and Friends, which is a very, very low scoring affair. Oh my gosh. Team Backflip wins 103 to 85.7. Team Backflip is now 4 and 5, and Prince Palmer, probably the shock of the year, is 4 and 5. I think that might have been the lowest score in the league. I think Andy scored like 70-something. Are you saying combined? Oh, that's, true. that's true. Okay. But combined, I think combined it would be. Yeah. So, Team Backflip, 36.9 from 2015 Celebrity Jeopardy champ, the frat boy. Uh, and then I still don't understand this move, but Alex Collins, who was on the practice squad for like a week, gets called up, gets two carries for five yards. He starts for Tyler. Uh, 7.9 from back in the NFL. Yeah, this is the stat line I'm talking about. Jordan Howard's garbage unless he scores a touchdown. Yeah. 
and which he did. <laughs> so we had Visca with 0.9. He got a little banged up and no risk. Well, clearly he was a risk. 7.1. <laughs> okay performance from North Philadelphia, born and raised, 11.2. And then his flexes combined. So remember we were talking about Dallas's uh, wide receivers? His flexes combined for 3.5 points. Plan 81, which, by the way, it's called Rule 81. Get it right. And Gronk with 2.2. Money was like probably his best player with 12 points, to be honest. Oh, er, um, sorry. Uh, 2015 Celebrity Jeopardy champ had, had was his high score. Yep. Lamar and friends side <laughs> then. Wait, what were you going to say? I love that he just named uh, Jason Pierre-Paul Nine Fingers. <laughs> <laughs> so on Lamar Friends' side, 85.74, that is unbelievable. 15.9 for Camara, 10.4 for Stafford, concussion. And then we had Chase Edmonds, 11.8. 1.9 from Trent Taylor, who he caught immediately afterwards. <laughs> Tyler Lockett had a disappointing 8. Robert uh, Tunyon. If he puts Chark in for Trent Taylor, he wins the game. <laughs> That's funny. I, yeah, what, why did he start Trent Taylor over DJ Chark? Because the 49ers had zero weapons. It was either Richie James or Taylor that was going to go off. He yeah. One. I can understand the logic. <laughs> Damn. Tunyon, 1.5. And then his flexes, DJ Moore, 3.8. As I said, disappointing. And then a solid, nice 6.9 from Cole Beasley. IDPs were very, very bad for him as well. So, like I said, they're both 4 and 5 now. I'm going to let you take your matchup, Will's matchup, and Amelia Clark's matchup. So we'll start with mine. Uh, this was the matchup of the week. Uh, the two highest scoring teams um, by far. I, I, I look back, this is the second time that Danny has been the second highest scoring team and lost this year. Yikes, that, that's, that's pretty rough. Because that was the either week two, I think, when both teams went over 200 points. Um. Thankfully, I had uh, the head of Kyler's click, Kyler Murray, with 43.92, and he just kept giving it to uh, my flex guy in uh, Christian Kirk with 23.3. Like, that long touchdown, when I got double the points, I was I was very excited, and they just kept going to him. And that was one more reason to go along with my other reasoning about why I hated the field goal try so much. Philip Lindsay got me nothing. Uh, Jonathan Taylor just under 10. Amari Cooper at 13.5. Eric Ebron at 11.2. Devonta Adams, cookie winner with 33.3. He was unstoppable. Brandon Cooks with 17.3. I'm happy I got my boy Rex Fex, even though he only got five. Um, and then I had best name ever get me 10.5 at my DB spot. Uh, for Danny, he had Teddy B, or Teddy, sorry, Teddy Two Gloves with 32.3. I would talk, we talked about him before. He had a great game. Not a chance, who is now doubtful this week. A one and cookie with 37.1. The Prince Untouchable had 12.4. Uh, Stefan Diggs had 20.8. Uh, Wayne Gallman, who you just got in a trade, was had 14.7. Robbie Anderson, the real number one in Carolina right now, had 15.3. Uh, Jayon Brown, cookie winner, had 15.5. Abella Dangers Man had 13. And the big thing was he was going on to the Sunday night football matchup with Cameron Jordan. He only needed three points from him. And Cameron Jordan gave him a fat zero. 
Yikes. Uh, Danny moves to five and four, and I am up to four and five. We go to the toilet bowl. Mrs. Burl versus Kiebert Zela, I think. Um, Andy wins that one to get her first victory of the year. If YouTube were up, insert celebration music right there. Uh, 155.1 to 141.3. Andy started Garrett Gilbert with 16 and a half. That was the only QB she could have actually started, and he did well. Uh, Leonard Fournette had 10.1. DeAndre Swift had 12.7. Justin Jefferson just missed the 10-point mark. Danny Amendola had 14.9. Evan Ingram with 15.8. John Brown with a good week with 17.9. Curtis Samuel with a cookie, 26.8. Uh, her IDPs were not great, although Malcolm Jenkins had 10. Uh, for Keeper Zayla, Bucks and Sixes Doppelganger had 27.44. Redbird with 15.9. Cyclone with a disappointing performance. Decaf Metcalf, I think Decaf spelled wrong, but I'm not sure. Uh, 23.8. Uh, Father Time, just under 10. Hawkeye with 14.9. Sword of Back had 10.1. Uh, and his IDPs were not good. So we called it the Toilet Bowl because it was the two worst teams in our league this year so far, record-wise. And Andy beats Will. Andy with her first victory. And they still are the two worst teams in the league as of record-wise so far. Then we go to the final matchup where we have Little Slads with King Henry's Kingdom lose by almost 50 to Team Amelia Clark fan, 191.8 to 141.5. Team Amelia Clark fan had Russell Wilson with 27.1, Delvin Cook with 39.2, uh, Mike Evans at 10.4, AJ Brown at 20.1, Demir Bird at 11.5, uh, Julio Jones at 16.4, Fred Werner broke the 10-point mark, Jordan Poyer a half cookie with 13.5, and, and Darius Leonard a full one with 15. For Little Slads, Nick Mullins only got him 13.6. Uh, Derek Henry and Jermichael Hasty with terrible performances. Cheetah had 33.1. Scary Terry had 24.5. Leader of the Sheep had 11.7. Go Dogs had 13.5. Uh, and all of his IDPs were not good. Uh, so Little Slads moves to 4 and 5. Fighting for one of those last spots along with me. I got just a game out of the playoff mark. And Team Amelia Clark fan goes in a three-way tie for second place. So we do not have any teams that have locked or been eliminated yet. So believe it or not, even Andy has a chance. <laughs> but she would have to score an astronomic amount of points, win every game, and all the five and four teams would probably have to lose. Probably not going to happen. She's what? ready for the lottery. Insert. Uh, so you're telling me there's a chance, Jeff? Yep, there really is a chance. <laughs> so we are going to come back tomorrow, record this final section about looking at Week 10's matchup, talking about some trades that may or may not have gone down, and that'll be that. So see you tomorrow. So this segment is going to be dedicated to trades, potential trades that almost happened, and a taking a look 
at Week 10's matchups, which just started last night in the Colts' victory against the Tennessee Titans. So let's take a look first at players that were nearly moved, starting with Michael Thomas. So Michael Thomas was nearly Michael moved Thomas to a couple people. A couple different trades, options from what I've, rumblings around the league that I've heard. Sure. But it seems like he's going to be staying on Will's team for now. I thought he was the most likely guy to be moved, it seemed like, because Will made it clear he did not want him on his team. Here he is still having him on the squad. Slant boy. Then we have DK Metcalf, who... Will said it was available for the correct price. I know someone came very, very, very close, at least from the rumblings. And in fact, supposedly, they came so close to the point where someone thought a deal was done for DK. But Will keeps them. My guess is for DK that the price was very high, as it should be, though. Or we can talk about the comical offer that was sent for DK. <laughs> so I heard rumors that there was an offer for DK that included an IDP, Jacoby Myers, and, quote, a bundle of second picks. <laughs> Yikes. Todd Gurley almost got traded literally five minutes before the deadline, and... The thing that makes this even funnier is Randy in the chat at 6.30 p.m. says, I'm making, I'm looking to make moves for flex players. Let's get it done. And I'm thinking to myself, where have you been the last two weeks? <laughs> so with five minutes to go left until the deadline, an offer came in of Todd Gurley and, St and Sterling Shepard for your first in which Randy denied. You were kind of shocked by me telling you that. Yeah, I would have taken that in a heartbeat. Um, I know Todd Gurley's not guaranteed anymore next year, but he's still a solid running back to gain for this year. And Sterling Shepard's a young, good receiver. Like, I don't know what he's expecting. I guess Randy had such a good draft year one that maybe he's expecting to have that happen every year. But that's not, in reality, that's not what happens in fantasy. Yeah. I would have taken that. I told Randy I would have taken that deal in a heartbeat. And he went into, like, a systematic approach of why... Todd Gurley is not a great dynasty option going forward, blah, blah, blah. He wanted flex options. Right now, his flex players are like AP and Traquan Smith. Uh, that's not good. No, not at all. Devontae Parker reportedly was almost traded. What were the details? So I sent um, Danny an offer. Uh, Brandon Cooks for Robbie Anderson. And he was like, well, I'm not really interested in that, but... I might be able to trade Robbie. Um, so I sent him, like, well, okay, I can send Devontae Parker for him. And he spent the day thinking about it. And then Robbie might have been involved in a certain deal we might have already had talked about. So then he comes back and says, I'm going to keep him for now. I'm like, I don't know how close it got, but, I mean, I thought it was getting somewhere. Um, that would have been cool to have him on my team, but alas, it did not happen. So I was trying hard to send Adam Thielen. He's still a good option. I was trying to get him onto some other competitor's roster for hopefully a pick and like another wide receiver or part of a bigger package. I could not get anything done. So I'm quote unquote stuck with Adam Thielen. Uh, hopefully he gets it together because in the last couple of games he's not been good. 
At least he's not hurt. But he he was a top ten fantasy receiver at the beginning of the year. So yeah. I'm, you're so stuck with him. I'm, I'm I feel so bad for you. <laughs> Corey Davis. <laughs> I had a fat goose egg last week. Uh, unfortunate news came his way as his brother passed away. Uh, last night he had 11 points. I did not start him, but I know Corey Davis was a hot commodity. A lot of people were trying to acquire him from me, but um, it was more so about bigger packages that I just didn't agree to do. And the last thing we had on nearly moved players was my former first-round pick that Randy owns. We already talked about the deal that almost was done, um, but Randy went on in that half hour and said all his picks were up for grabs. He was trying to get anybody. It almost happened, but it did not. So let's get into the trades that actually happened now. I'll let you start it off. So, I mean, if we go in chronological order, uh, it, the list is kind of out of order. I'll start with mine. Um, on Wednesday, I start sending out two-fourths and Quan Alexander for a couple different IDPs. Um, Quan Alexander being traded and injured most of the year. It wasn't really great use. I, I, he was just chilling on my backup. I was kind of thinking about cutting him, but I didn't want to cut a good, a solid linebacker when healthy. Uh, I threw two-fourths in, and I got Devin Bush um, from Cascade Bear. Uh, Devin Bush, I really like. He's a, a great rookie season, and then he tore his ACL this year. And I figured for next year, it's a good option, and I had too many late-round picks as it was. You kind of thought it was irrelevant, but I'm like, eh, whatever. I think IDP scoring is going up next year, so it might help me. Well, as, as long as it passes in the vote uh, for IDP scoring to be somewhat increased, I think you will win the trade without question. But right now, IDPs are so irrelevant. Even like your top tier guys aren't really weekly changers. Yes, you can look at the scoreboard and say, oh, if so-and-so didn't score this, I would have lost. But also, they don't really have like a big impact in trades, draft capital, free agency. So that's another reason why I'm looking forward. I'm hoping that IDP scoring can be increased a little bit. If that's the case, though, Devin Bush is one of those top IDP options moving forward. Otherwise, like I know your league for DYD, uh, it sounds like there's a rumor that IDPs might be re removed because they're just so irrelevant with your current scoring. Our current scoring is actually higher than um, this league, though. Hmm. Um, we, we did vote in the offseason. We're going to go down from three IDPs to two IDPs, and they can be in any position. Interesting. So it's pretty much going to be it's going to be pretty much linebackers. I yeah. Think. Now, Which I, I was not a fan of. I voted against. I like having a couple IDPs. No, I do, too. I, uh, the league that it's me, you, Will, your brother ryan and, and cascade and two others um who are the other two two no, oh it's just six yeah yeah so that the scoring we have for idps i really really like i'd like to mimic that because that actually gives idps some power in in matchups yeah i i'm 100 on board and even if we can't get that to pass even just any kind of uptick in idp scoring would make them more useful for sure so let's move on. I ended up getting Wayne Gallman for a fourth round pick. I had two fourth round picks. Uh, I send away, I believe, yours to Danny. <laughs> the famous fourth round swap. 
<laughs> and I get Wayne Gallman. Um, I had reached out to him about where he most hurt, and he was very convinced he was coming back this week. That did not happen. He's going to be continuing to be injured. Uh, Devontae Freeman was just put on the IR. So I think I kind of got a steal here for the rest of the season as a flex option with Gallman. Yeah, I I was surprised. Um, I Gallman's the, a solid option going forward. It looks like he needs a little bit more depth once we get into another trade that you made. Um, yeah, that's that's a good pickup. Uh, fourth round pick, I thought was a little. I thought you might have Gallman could have gone for a third potentially. I don't I don't know if you have one, but that was that was a good solid pickup. So let's move on to the next trade that I made. Um, I end up getting Randy's first and Zach Moss in exchange for Melvin Gordon, Nelson Aguilar, and 2022 third. Now, I have no clue why Tyler said we all know Logan thinks he won this trade, as if like I think I win every trade, which is not accurate. In fact, I think I actually lost this trade currently, and I know you also mentioned that in the chat as well. Yeah, um, Aguilar and Fulgham were probably and james robinson were the three best waiver wire pickups right now when using fab um touchdown dependent season but he's been very consistent uh, and melvin gordon is a flex option every week that should be starting he's a multiple uh always a double digit point scorer when he's healthy um i put in the long run zach moss is a very promising rookie and you get a first round pick that you you wheel and deal every offseason so i'm assuming you're either going to stick with that first round, maybe move up, do, move down, put it in the package. I think eventually you win this deal, but right now, going forward, with you being in a spot as a, one of the top five, four or five teams in the league, it's going to hurt you a little bit. Sure. Um, and, and get a solid starting running back for right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that does help her. And I know she... I told her, I said, you have three firsts. I mean, if you're not trying to just continue to draft rookies, this is a nice piece. I mean, Melvin's 27. He is not in the best situation right now, but I think it's better than a lot of her options she has. The Leonard Fournette trade that she made actually worked out for the better for her as well because he is probably the more serviceable guy between him and Rojo now. Yeah, he's turning into one. Uh, I still am not a fan. Um, first round pick he's kind of seemed like a bust he, he's got the, all the tools but it just doesn't really work out and I think eventually they're going to go back to Rojo because of that but right now I think with between Melvin um, Fournette and uh, DeAndre Swift she's got uh, three running backs that are potential starters every week so you and Will actually made two trades first of all you and him did a swap so you sent M- Marcus Valdez Scantling over to Will and then you got James Washington Believe it or not, was with me. I traded him uh, for Tony Pollard, who then I traded Tony Pollard for someone else. It was just a massive chain of events. Uh, but James Washington is on your team. What do you see in James uh, Washington? I think he's more of a project for next year because with the Steelers receivers, they obviously have Claypool. One more reminder that he's on the Indies taxi. Oh, um, don't forget. Uh, and then they also have um, Juju, and those are obviously their top three receivers right there. But Juju's a, a free agent going into next year. <clears throat> I'm 100% sold that the Steelers are going to keep Juju because they keep getting all these young receivers and they keep developing really, really well. Um, James Washington had a pretty solid year last year. He was a solid fantasy receiver, and then this year he really t- has taken a step back because Claypool has outshined him. One more reminder. 
for but Claypool outshining someone. But uh, this year he's not going to do much for my team, and I'm fine with that. I think next year is he's my play, and I am infuriated by Marquez Valdez Scantling every week. Just I, if he's not running a fly, he can't catch the ball. And nah. he's had two really good games. All the rest have been terrible. And I tried starting him one week after his good game, and he got me like zero points. So I was done with him. I got a question about Andy and Chase Claypool on her taxi. Honest question. Do you think she knows how to take someone off the taxi? <laughs> uh, like, at this point, it's inexcusable that he's sitting there. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I'm, I'll do it as a, you literally just hit the taxi button and you move him to the bench. <laughs> That's all you got to do. Um, I did that with Harrison Bryant, and I'm kind of regretting it. Yeah. I, it was a one-week thing, and now all the starters are back. But it for her, that's the evidence is there. You need to have them in your lineup. Sure. So the other trade you did with Will was you got the Infinity Stone, the Journeyman, Frank Gore, coming over to you uh, in exchange for $5 of fab. Uh, why? <laughs> I honestly did not think this was going through. No, I didn't either. <laughs> I, I, I put it out there. I wanted to see some trades, and I'm like, okay, five dollars for a somewhat okay running back option. If I have some guys get hurt, sure, why not? And it went through. I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, he's probably well. I was gonna say he's probably not playing next year, but you could have said that the last five years. <laughs> <the only> five. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I don't really think he's gonna be a starter going forward whatsoever. But you never know. So let's move on to the next one. Another trade that you did, man. You were like that most active trader. It looks like right now. Uh, so, yeah, I guess so. I, I sent <laughs> three or four. Trade. Four. I don't know if you have three or four. It was MVS, Frank Gore. Oh yeah, Devin Bush, and then Carry On. Um, I have been also the two guys that are on my team that were the most frustrating for me were Mike Valdez Scantling, otherwise known as what well, Will just named him Butterfingers. Um, <laughs> I don't remember what my nickname was. It was something along those lines. Uh, and then carry on Johnson. I drafted him so high last year. Do you know what round I'm looking right now? Probably like third round. Third round. Mm-hmm. Um, he was such a good player um, for like a one year and then he got hurt. And I'm like, last year, there's no way he's going to get hurt again. Had two good games, got hurt. <clears throat> this year, gets and then he's uh, put behind DeAndre Swift. And then they sign AP. And both of those guys are ahead of him on the depth chart. I'm like, okay, I got to get something for him. And I've sent, the last two months, I've sent people different offers for him. I think I sent, like, Will at least six offers alone um, for different pick combinations because he said he was interested in them. And eventually, I'm just, I look at Lefty's roster, and he is really, really thin on running backs. And I'm like, all right, maybe I can get a third for him. I sent it, and I also offered him the Sturk for a third and a fourth, I think. I don't remember. I, I just kept trying to send all these different trades, and all of a sudden, I trades completed i'm like awesome cool i got something for him mm. and going forward he's a 20 year old running back but he just keeps getting buried in the depth chart it helps his lefties team for sure yeah yeah so i don't know that kind of a wash trade but at the same time you know maybe tyler wins that trade because he gets a player but i mean it depends who that pick's gonna end up being yeah i i'm fully fine with tyler winning that trade i <laughs> So frustrated <laughs> and then we have the big massive trade that went down it was between little slads and stirk 
I did not have data, and I just kept seeing people say, like, wow, damn, and I'm like, wait, what? Because I couldn't see what the trade was, but it ends up being Little Slads receives Juju Smith-Schuster, Sterk's 2021 first, Andy's 2021 second, so probably the 201, your 2021 second, which looked good at the beginning of the year, not anymore, because it'll probably be in the middle of the round, Um, and then he gives up Tyreek Hill, 2021 third his and then his 2022 third so Sterk by far upgrades at the wide receiver position he gets like the number two three four wide receiver in dynasty i mean you're gonna be in the top five for wide receivers if you got patrick mahomes throwing the ball to him that's that was a crazy trade i saw that go down i was like okay Sterk's in it this year Sterk is ready um, I think it got Randy a little scared. Uh, I think that's why he was sending offers and trying to get a flex piece once uh, Odell got hurt. Um, Tyreek is going to transform Sirk's team. Like, Sirk's receivers right now are nuts. Uh, I know he's got a crazy amount of them on his roster, but when you have Tyreek Hill, Keenan Allen, Will Fuller, who I traded to him, um, and then Jameson Crowder went healthy, all our starting wide receivers to go along with Tyree. It's it's nuts. And I already expressed my opinions on Juju, but he's still a really young receiver. Like, he got a really good package back for Tyree. So, that's all we have for trades from the trade deadline. Looking forward to see how many trades happen once we open the gates back up, uh, once we declare a champion. So, this year from the day after we had a champion named all the way until yesterday november 12th we had 73 trades that's insane so that includes during the draft that includes after the draft off season in season etc it does not include duplicate player trades from yesterday no that that, that's not a trade he literally just sent for nothing But beyond oh. that, like, all those trades were nuts. And Duplicate Player was traded legitimately a couple times, but mm-hmm. that one yesterday was not. But the amount of trades in this league is just nuts. It's, it's awesome. I love to see it. All right, so let's talk about Week 10. It did start last night. The Colts again beat the Tennessee Titans. Uh, looking at it right now, I'll start with the first matchup. We'll take three each. Um, my matchup, Johnny Sins in the Flex versus Fresh Prince of Hellair. I'm six and three. Danny is five and four. Sleeper right now is projecting him to beat me by eleven. Uh, this comes after a horrible twelve point seven five point performance from Ryan Tannehill against the great Colts defense. Uh, Danny got seven points out of Jayon Brown. Uh, looking at some of my other players right now, I got James Connor against Cincinnati. Zach Moss as my running backs. Thielen and Hopkins at wideout. I hate this, but it's one week. It's whatever. Jordan Aikens is my tight end right now uh, for Houston. My flexes are Travis Fulgham and Jerry Judy, who is a little bit banged up. On Danny's side, he's got at quarterback Drew Brees, running backs Mike Davis and Matt Burita, wideouts Jarvis Landry and Stephon Diggs, Noah Fant at tight end, and then his flexes right now are Renfro and Anderson. Robbie, 
So if matchup projections held, I would be six and four. Danny would be in six and four. I know we talked before we taped about Naheem Hines. I want to tell everybody what you were saying about him, but he went off yesterday. Yeah, yeah. You know, Trent Richardson can't carry the ball. Seven rushes for 12 yards. So Naheem Hines took over with 12 carries, 70 yards, one touchdown, five catches, 45 yards, and a touchdown. So 28 and a half points on my bench. Well, here's the thing about Naheem Hines. Before this game, the highest percent of snaps he had was 57% in week one. Outside of that, 38% week five. Or everything else, he's only on the field for about one third of the snaps. So I don't consider him much of a like dependable flex at the moment. He has had three 20-point games, one 10-point, but outside of that, he's just been meh or bad. So I totally understand that. Like he's a boomer bust kind of guy, um, kind of similar to when Mark Valdez Scanling for me. Heinz is much much better player, but Valdez Scanling had two great games, and I tried chasing him. And then I just I gave up because all the rest of the times he was nothing. So definitely understand that. What about my Trent Richardson comments? We've already talked about that in the chat. <laughs> You're gonna keep doing it. Try to troll me. It's fine. <laughs> Until he has a good rushing game, I will continue to say it. Against the best line in football, don't forget about that. But he is a he is a rookie, so I'll accept it somewhat. Corey second, Davis, what's second that? Match, second game of the year, 26 attempts for 101 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> so I also had Corey Davis on my bench. He had 11.7. So ugh. I would not. I like looking back. I don't say like, ah, oh, I wish I could have started him. Uh, Naheem Hines, though, yes. But again, there wasn't really anything that inclined me to make that move. Let's take a look at the second matchup. So we got one and eight, Mrs. Burrow against four and five, King Henry's Kingdom. Right now, Sleeper is projecting a six-point victory for King Henry's Kingdom. King Henry's Kingdom is already up 19.9 to zero. He had 11.9 from Derrick Henry, and he had eight from Kevin Byard. Looking at his other players, he's got Goff against Seattle. That'll be a lot of points. Seattle's defense is so bad. He also has J.D. McKissick as his second running back. Smooches, wide receivers, he's got Robert Woods and Terry McLaurin. Austin Hooper's back after his appendectomy. Flexes, he's got Juju Smith-Schuster, new to his team, and Sterling Shepard. And the sheep. <laughs> <laughs> On Andy's side, she is debuting Mr. Andy Pollock, Pollock, Joe Burrow. And then her running backs are Leonard Fournette and DeAndre Swift. Wide receivers, Justin Jefferson and Cooper Cup. Tight end, Evan Ingram. And then flexes, Melvin Gordon and John Brown. I may be alone by saying this, but I think Andy's team actually looks a lot better than it did at the beginning of the year. It does. Uh, it's coming together. And if she had Claypool starting, we'd be even more um, liking Andy's team right now. Yeah. You know, she if she gets, like, the number one pick, I would assume she's going to take another running back. Just, just my guess. Um, but then, like, she, if she has Michael's pick and he doesn't make it, literally she could have the number one and number two pick. That would be freaking wild. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, it's st- we're starting to see it pay off. It's just, it's it's been a rough l- little while for her. Sure. So we'll have to see what route she goes. I think next year, and this is way too in advance because I don't know who she's going to take for rookies. I think she could be in the range of like five wins maybe. Again, it depends what she does in the offseason. Yeah, I definitely think it could happen. So after this match, (laughs) Sam Hinkie, baby. Andy would be one and nine and Little Slaz would be five and five. Third matchup I want to talk about is Sterk Daddy versus Will. An absolute bloodbath of a rivalry. We finally have our first bad blood rivalry between Sterk and Will. Their banter in the chat is must watch sleeper chat. <laughs> so Sterk right now is six and three. Will is two and seven. I told Will also if 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 they get into some more smack talk, all he has to say is he's one and zero against Sterk in the playoffs, the games that matter, because he beat him <laughs> last year. So. So Leaper right now is projecting Sterk to win by 1.1 points. Neither had any starters from last night's game. On Sterk's side, he's got Josh Allen. Running backs being Josh Jacobs and Chris Carson, who might not play. Uh, Keenan Allen and Will Fuller at wideout. Darren Waller at tight end. And then his flexes being Jarek McKinnon and Jamal Williams. On Will's side, he has Justin Herbert at quarterback. With David Montgomery and James Robinson at running backs. Wideouts being DK Metcalf and Larry Fitzgerald. Tight end TJ Hawkinson. And then flexes being Chris Godwin and Michael Thomas. You know, looking at this team, it just blows my mind how bad that he has been this year. Yeah, I think the big thing was Godwin and Thomas have not been healthy for a long portion of this year. I think that might have been what got him. And then maybe just playing some good teams each week because that's a pretty solid lineup. Could be around five and five right now. So if this actually held, um, wait a second. Did I say Sterk was going to win this matchup? Uh, I think you did. Yeah. Nope. So Sleeper's actually showing that Will would win by 1.9 points with these projections, which would move him to three and seven, Sterk to six and four. Sterk would be heated. I'll let you take the last three matchups. All right. Well, then we'll we'll head to my matchup of the teams that are four and five. Kyler's click versus team backflip. Um, I got 5.7 out of Jonathan Taylor um, and 11 out of Rex Specs. Love that guy. Uh, and Lefty got nine and a half out of John New Smith. Or sorry, North Philadelphia born and raised. Um, with that uh, touchdown run from a yard or two out, that really uh, helped his point total. But then I have um, Kyler Murray uh, against Buffalo, throwing to Christian Kirk in one of my wide receiver spots. I got Gio Bernard, since Mixon's out, against the Pittsburgh defense. Yeah, he's still going to get points. Um, Devonta Adams versus the Jacksonville defense. That should be a bloodbath. Uh, Devontae Parker against the Chargers defense. Eric Ebron. Uh, I talked about Kirk. And then Brandon Cooks as my other flex spot against the Cleveland's terrible defense. Uh, then for lefty, he's got 2015 Celebrity Jeopardy champ uh, against Jacksonville. That'll be interesting having Rodgers throw to Adams all day. And we'll see the point totals go up and down. And then we'll have 
Seat covers end zone target at running back along with Super Bowl MVP James White. Um, no risk and welcome back are starting wide receivers. They both are a little risky. Um, and then Plan 81 and Gronk are the rest of his flexes. Rule 81, not Plan. Uh, that, that's his nickname on here. Um, interesting that he's going with three tight ends against me. We'll see how that works out for you. Uh, after this projection, uh, I'm supposed to win 167.8 to 142.65. That would move Lefty to 4-6 and six and me to 5-5. Five and five, 500, which I did not think was going to happen this season, but we'll, we'll see. The games have not been played yet. Uh, we'll move on to Ryan. Uh, Lamar and Friends versus Spaceballs, the FFT. As of right now, Sleeper is projecting Ryan to win by about nine points. Uh, he's starting MVP, who has not played like one this year. Um, Alvin Kamara, the best running back. Uh, well, him and Cook are probably like one and two right now this year, fantasy-wise. Uh, you got Chase Edmonds, uh, Tyler Lockett and DJ Chark. Chark week. Um, and with Jair out, that's going to be points. Um, Robert Tanyan at his tight end spot. Okay. Um, DJ Moore and T. Higgins, who has looked great with Joe Burrow throwing it to him. Um, and then Spaceballs, the FFT, has President Scroob at QB against Cleveland. Um, he's got Duke Johnson in the starting lineup getting the start this week. He currently is starting uh, Devontae Freeman, who is on the IR. So LMAO. <laughs> then we have Dark Helmet and Spaceball Trooper at the wide receiver spots. Prince Valium at tight end. SB the flamethrower. And Eagle 5 at these other flex spots. Um, we'll see how this projection holds. Uh, right now, if I had to guess he's probably put, putting in the space special and that would mean ryan would lose but in the sleeper projections but we'll see if it stays this way space balls would move to five and five lamar and friends would also be five and five no he'd be four. Oh yeah if they win sorry the picture of mediocrity <laughs> and then <laughs> we have what is probably and it looks like it'll be the game of the week we have Cascade Bear Outdoor Furnishings versus Team Amelia Clark Fan. Team Amelia Clark Fan has 3.1 from AJ Brown. Yikes. Um, he currently has Joey Bosa in his starting lineup, but he was ruled out. Um, and Darius Leonard was six. So he's got a nine point lead, but is still projected to lose this matchup uh, by four once he puts in an active um, defensive lineman. We'll see what the, how that changes. Uh, for a Team Mila Clark fan, he's got Russell Wilson against the Rams defense, Dalvin Cook against Chicago, uh, Miles Sanders is back for him against the Giants defense, Mike Evans, we already talked about A.J. Brown's stinker, uh, Dallas Goddard's back in his starting lineup, and then his flexes are Traquan Smith and AP. Those are, those are some interesting flexes. I know Julio Jones is on by and Odell Torres ACL. But I, I can see why he was trying to get anybody to help out his flex spots. He's still 6-3, and three, and he's still probably projected to win this one. And then we have Outdoor Furnishings starting, come on guys, 3.4. Um, back wide 
backyard lights is, and giant sombrero hats are his two starting running backs. Looking for a big game on the giant sombrero. Uh, then you have disco ball and outdoor speakers as wide receivers. Outdoor griller after a very uh, underwhelming season. We'll see if he can pick it back up. Then you have Sunflower and Doublemaker, um, the guy that Logan should be getting a jersey of. Um, and he's also starting a kicker who is on bye. So we'll we'll see. These these projections are a little off just because of the, the IDP that's out and the kicker on bye. So we'll see what happens. But currently, Schlieber has outdoor furnishings moving to 8-2 and two, and Team Amelia Clark fan moving to 7-3. And, and no, Amelia... Six and four. Amelia Clark told me if he loses this game, he is done in terms of the first round bye. I don't know if he'd be correct on saying that because he'd only be six and four. Uh, we would have three games left, and he, like, even Cascade, he'd only be two behind Cascade. But I'm assuming he thinks that he would not. Or no, sorry, we would have three games left. So, like, he'd still be in the running for a bye, right? I would assume so. As of right now, just going back for the next three weeks after this matchup, Cascade Bear, before uh, moving in people that are out with buys and everything, he's still he's projected to win his next three matchups. So oh, really? Uh, this is without moving people around for buys. So that could change. But as of right now, he's projected to, to rejected to win his next four games. Oh, yeah, I see that now. He would be playing Little Slads, who's been underwhelmed. Ryan underwhelmed, Andy bad. So, mm-hmm. okay, that's all we got for this episode of For the Throne. We will be back next week to recap week 10 and look forward into week 11, where we have four buys next week, followed by Justin's favorite week of the NFL season, where there's no buys. So idiotic. We will see you next time. <laughs>